Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, everyone. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. Let's get right to it and meet this week's question asker. My name is Ben Kaiser, and believe it or not, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Ben visited San Francisco for the first time four years ago. And as soon as he got here, he felt a connection. It sort of seemed like I had been there before or that I belonged there. And um, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I've been back in four years, probably nine or ten times. That's a lot of flights between Atlanta and SFO. Now, when Ben can't be here, he's found a way to visit without leaving his living room. Because I don't live in San Francisco, I want to be connected to it as much as I possibly can. One of the ways is watching movies shot there. Anything that can transport him here, even if only for a few hours. Ben's seen a lot already, but he wants more. So he came to Bay Curious. I asked what were some of the movies set in San Francisco that were actually shot in San Francisco, and which ones are your favorites or your recommendations? Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we don't often delve into subjective matters here on the show, but hey, it's the holidays, we're all stuck inside way more than usual this year, and we thought maybe we could all use some solid movie recommendations. Today's episode will sound a little bit different from what you usually hear on Bay Curious. We've got a panel of local cultural experts here to convince Ben and you how you should spend some time devouring the Bay Area in all its cinematic glory. So throw some popcorn in the microwave, cozy up on your couch, and press play. All right, I have to start off this episode with a confession. I, Olivia Allen Price, 
am really bad at movies. Like possibly the last person that you would want on your trivia team during the movie round. So I called in some much needed backup on this one. Here to help me out today are Peter Hartlob. He is a Bay Area native, a culture critic with the San Francisco Chronicle, and co-host of the Total SF podcast. Welcome, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. Also, I've got Carly Severn here. She's a Bay Curious reporter who you are probably familiar with. She's also a former co-host of The Cooler Podcast and one of KQED's resident movie obsessives. Hey, Carly. Hey, Olivia. Hey, Peter. Lovely to be here. (laughs) So before we get into recommendations, I'm curious, what do you guys think makes San Francisco a good spot to shoot a film? Internationally recognizable landmarks, um, Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz, the topography, you can get up on a hill and see those landmarks, you can have a chase scene and get a little air. But I think the biggest thing is the weather. And it's sort of the secret ingredient, because it allows a director to convey mood. And then the city sort of becomes the mood of the director. You have the fog coming in. You have the sun coming in. Subtle shifts. You can't do that in Atlanta. You can't do it in Houston. You can't even really do that in L.A. And I think that's a big reason why San Francisco ends up being, you know, a top pick if you're a director and you want to shoot a thriller or action film, something like that. I would agree with all of that. And I must kind of confess, I do have a similar cinematic relationship with San Francisco as listener Ben does. I grew up watching San Francisco on screen as a kid in the middle of nowhere in England. And it just seemed like the coolest place in the world to me. So I get it. I get his quest. Now, despite all these things, all these sort of great attributes that make you know, San Francisco, a great place to shoot. You still don't see it in films as often as, you know, in New York or in LA or maybe even in Atlanta, even though you don't necessarily know you're in Atlanta when you are in Atlanta. A lot of movies are shot there. Why do you all think that is? It's expensive to get a hotel here, much less a bunch of hotels if you've got a lot of people coming. People are all crammed in together. And if you're going to shoot Sister Act in Noe Valley, or if you're going to shoot a car chase scene going through Russian Hill, the neighbors are going to notice. And I think San Francisco, more than some of those other cities, because it's sort of compact like that, makes it harder to film. Expensive and compact. Yeah, I think logistically you have all of these issues, but I do think there's this thematic problem with San Francisco. It's so in your face. It is it does end up being a character. If you want to just have like any town USA to set your story in, like San Francisco is not the place to come. It really isn't because you'll end up having to do all of this narrative work, bending over backwards to kind of explain why it's a San Francisco story. That's my take anyway. Well, I do want to get on to answering Ben's question and get to some of your San Francisco movie recommendations, but I thought we'd actually start with his because he has seen a lot of movies and he has his own thoughts. Vertigo is probably my, my all-time favorite movie in the fact that it's shot in San Francisco. Um, but, you know, a lot of the real common ones, you know, I, I'm not embarrassed to say the other night I watched The Rock and in, enjoyed The Rock. But, um, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, Milk, The Room, those are just, you know, some of the ones that I enjoy. So it sounds like he's definitely seen some of the classics, which I know we aren't necessarily going to talk as much about today in your lists, right? Vertigo, The Conversation, the Hitchcock films, the Coppola films. If I'm teaching a film class about San Francisco, they're going to be right in there. If I'm turning on my TV right now because I just need to chill and escape a little bit, 
I've got a whole different set of films that I'm going to pick, my favorite films, and that, that's what I'm going to pick today. 100% cosign. And may I just say to Ben that he never has to be embarrassed about watching The Rock. There is nothing to be embarrassed about there. <laughs> it's totally cool to just love The Rock and uh, shout it from the rooftops. All right. So I asked each of you guys to bring your top three recommendations. And what we're going to do is go through all of those and then let Ben decide who has been the most convincing and which movie he is going to watch next. So let's dive in. Carly, let us know what is your number three pick and why. First of all, I want to kind of set up my thinking here. I wanted to pay homage to the classic TLC album, Crazy Sexy Cool, with three picks that makes San Francisco look either crazy, sexy, or cool. And so I'm going to start with cool. It is Always Be My Maybe. It is the 2019 Netflix movie directed by Nanach Khan. It's got Ali Wong as a celebrity chef and she returns home to San Francisco where she grew up and she reconnects with her childhood boyfriend, Randall Park. Hey! Hi, Marcus. Yeah, hi, Sasha. Hi, hello, hi. Long time. I love this movie so much. It makes San Francisco look really cool, but it also makes it look really normal. And it's not the kind of parade of Golden Gate Bridge, Golden Gate Park, Ad nauseum. Like a lot of it's set in the outer Richmond, like the farmer's market that they go to. It's not some bougie little farmer's market. It's the, like the civic center farmer's market. So as a resident of the Bay Area, there's such a pleasure in, in kind of doing that thing where you're looking at the screen and like, oh, I know that. That's really cool. I should admit that so much of it is filmed in San Francisco at these amazing locations that are like super normal and super lived in. But Vancouver, of course, it's always Vancouver. Vancouver actually doubles for a lot of the San Francisco locations, particularly Good Luck Dim Sum, which is where Ali Wong, it's one of her favorite restaurants in San Francisco. She, it's on Clement Street. She says it's where she grew up eating. She really wanted that set there, but they had to double the interior in Vancouver. I can't believe this place is still in business. What are we even doing here? The food was always so terrible. Are you insane? No. I eat here twice a week. Here, just try this, okay? Hmm? Oh. Yeah? Why do I remember this place is so bad? Because that's how you remember your entire childhood. You painted the whole thing with a shit brush, but it's not true. You're right. This is good. <laughs> this place hasn't changed one bit either. She thought that the restaurant would really love the fact that she had given them the shout out. And it turns out they they kind of didn't care. She put on Instagram that um, she had gone to the restaurant. And this is her caption. So the picture is of her waiting in line at this place that she's just made super famous in a movie. And she's like, me, hello, I'm Ali Wong. The dim sum scene in my movie, Always Be My Maybe, is based on this very place where I grew up eating. Good luck, dim sum staff. We don't give a bleep. We have no idea who you are. Get in line. <laughs> oh i love that tough being famous in san francisco there's a lot of little things in there that are san francisco too um ali wong got dan the automator to uh do the the score and also write the music for the greatest uh san francisco band in a movie hello peril which do three songs in the movie including the closing credits my only complaint and carly mentioned it and I don't want to start like negative ad campaigns here, but we're winning Ben's vote and there's only one vote. Um, they did the exterior on Clement Street and they're walking down what's supposed to be Clement Street. And it is so not Clement Street. It is so Vancouver. I love the movie, but as a location, San Francisco location movie, I find it to be kind of hit and miss. 
All right. Well, let's get on to your number three then, Mr. Hartlob. What do you got? Mine is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think it's the most underrated San Francisco movie. Uh, shot, it came out in 1978, a Philip Kaufman movie. He's a San Francisco resident to this day. And um, it was uh, a remake of a 1950s movie about alien pods that come in, they're replacing the human race slowly, and you can't fall asleep. Um, and it's there's just a lot of intrigue, and it's a thriller, and it's horror. Um, I love it as a San Francisco movie, because a lot of directors come in, and they love San Francisco, but they shoot from the same seven places, you know, Telegraph Hill, Golden Gate Bridge, uh, Palace of Fine Arts. Philip Kaufman shot in places that I think he always wanted to shoot that that really add to the movie. The Tenderloin is is a huge, huge character in the movie. Uh, Civic Center, um, there's a couple of really cool shots there. Obscure places like Pier 70. Right here, we have Donald Sutherland in a very famous scene where he is um, revealing himself to be one of the pod people by screeching. The screech is a pig squeal, I believe played backwards. And he's pointing. He's pointing at you on the other side of the screen. He's in the Civic Center pointing at you. Great San Francisco movie. Great horror movie. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I loved this movie. I actually was ashamed to say that I hadn't seen it um, before I started prepping to have this conversation with you guys. And it starts off, you know, like a little bit cheesy. And I was like, oh, God, what has Peter chosen? I couldn't have been more wrong. It is such a great movie. Um, I, I could not agree ev- with more with everything he said about the way it uses San Francisco and particularly like a lot of like civic buildings um, around Civic Center. Uh, just like a lot of it set at the, the Department of Public Health, um, which I always like it when those guys are the good guys in the movie. Um, yeah, I, you know, I haven't seen this movie yet. It's, it's now going to be on my list, I will say. But I am, um, I love the idea that there's a movie that that really highlights some of the lesser used locations around San Francisco. Because I think there is, you know, a divide between how tourists experience the city and how people who live in the city experience the city. Let's move on to your number two picks, making our way up the list. Uh, Carly, what do you have? Well, I did say I was going to do Crazy Sexy Cool, and we're now into the sexy phase of this pick. It is... 1992's Basic Instinct. And I thought long and hard before choosing this one because, you know, many parts of it haven't aged well, let's be honest. But it is a prime example of the 90s erotic thriller. It is made by Paul Verhoeven. And the plot uh, is ludicrous. Uh, Michael Douglas is the shady San Francisco detective. He's investigating this bombshell crime novelist, Sharon Stone, uh, who definitely, maybe, almost certainly killed one of her boyfriends. Um, It's a romp it's a riot. It wants to be a Hitchcock noir very, very badly. So it looks way better than it needs to. And it sounds way better than it needs to. I tried long and hard to find a safe for Bay Curious clip from this movie and failed miserably. So uh, let's just listen to a little bit of the trailer. We got 31 stab wounds. What was it? Ice pick. I can speak to him, Miss Catherine Tremell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a suspect. I wanted to write a book about the murder of a retired rock and roll star. You know how she does the boyfriend? The nice pick. She intended the book to be her alibi. I love the way it uses San Francisco. It goes for all the classic shots, like, you know, there's North Beach, there's Telegraph Hill. 
one thing I should note is that San Francisco like wasn't always thrilled about being the the kind of poster child for this movie. Sharon Stone's character is bisexual and setting a movie with an LGBTQ woman who has a lot of sex and kills the people that she sleeps with in San Francisco in 1992 at a time when AIDS was still so prevalent and claiming so many lives. Like that's a definite choice. And this isn't just like 2020 hindsight. The movie was picketed at the time by LGBTQ groups for being kind of prejudiced in its representation of that community. So I do feel like I should flag that. A lot of that animosity I feel like has gone away over time, but it's definitely something to note. Um, Also, I think the reason people don't like this movie is that um, they take it quite seriously. And I think if you look at Paul Verhoeven's back catalogue, like Starship Troopers, like Total Recall, like Showgirls, I think he has a sense of humor about what he's doing. So I think that this movie should be taken uh, as a time capsule and with a hefty fistful of salt. I love this film. Um, I think it's a great pick. I think it's underrated. There are more helicopter shots in this movie of San Francisco, of someone driving a car around a windy road. Um, His embracing San Francisco, making love to San Francisco with his camera budget was off the charts. Um, So I think it's a great pick. I I really like this movie a lot. Definitely one that makes San Francisco look sexy, Carly. Don't you agree? Well, okay. So this is where I genuinely want you guys' opinion because I have spent the best part of a week thinking about this question, is San Francisco a sexy city? And I was trying to think of cities that are like off the charts sexy, right? Uh, New Orleans sprang to mind. But then I'm thinking, is it just about like sweating? Is it just like the weather? Is 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 that all sexiness is to me? I, I got to say the, the, the weather is it. You don't sweat in San Francisco. LA, sexy city. New Orleans, sexy city. Miami, Miami Vice, sexy city. Streets of San Francisco is not a sexy TV show. I'm going to have to disagree with you guys, and you are the cultural critics here, so uh, your your opinion has more weight than mine, but I don't know. I see fog, and I want to cuddle. That's that's my take on something. But cuddling is cuddling. cuddling Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think Peter and I are of the same mind here, where we're just like, "Mm." It's step one, guys. It's a cuddly city. I don't know if it's a sexy city. Listen, I cuddle my dog. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into uh, Peter. What's your number two pick? My number two is Zodiac. Um, It is a uh, David Fincher film. He shot The Game first and then Zodiac in San Francisco. And second to Hitchcock, I think he's the one who um, really is a great sensibility for San Francisco. Um, It is shot also in the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom. Um, They shot in our publisher's office, I believe, outside, and they used our lobby and elevator. Uh, The story goes that David Finchner came up to our newsroom, walked inside, said an expletive and said, this is too much of a mess, walked outside, and they recreated our newsroom pillar for pillar. You cannot tell the difference in Los Angeles. But absolutely, absolutely captures a place in time. The music choices, the visual cues, the production design, nothing's wasted. And honestly, even though they didn't shoot in the Chronicle newsroom, the newsroom banter is pitch perfect. Here's a little bit of it right now. Today's August 1st. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. If the examiner doesn't have the balls to ride, we scoop the bag. Now this man is talking about shooting 12 people. And not running this might make him do that. So that's the way we talk. That's the way we talk to each other. It's all like a David Fincher or 
Aaron Sorkin drama. Oh, what's on the crime beat? Janice in Datebook left the fondue party before everyone got naked. No, this is this is a great film, and the plot is almost secondary in this film. A killer from the 70s and 80s who they never caught, and I'm giving away the ending, but the ending isn't the important thing. The important thing is the mood, the city, what it felt like to be in the 1970s and be scared. I was a little kid. I remember hearing about the Zodiac Killer, and this movie brought that back so well. My favorite shot in the film, it is a visual effects shot of them in sped up time building the Transamerica pyramid. And again, just David Fincher using every little arrow in his quiver to capture that mood of San Francisco at a particular time. It's a fantastic location movie. And I think it's the only one on this list that is based on a true story, unless there's something I need to know about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> I think that's true. And, um, and, and, you know, there, there's a little bit of myth in there, but um, he, he stuck a lot closer than a lot of other people do to the facts. I will say, as somebody who was not living in the Bay Area at the time of Zodiac, I found Zodiac to be really helpful just to kind of, I guess, get a sense of what it was like to be here during that time, like you experienced, Peter. Yeah, and people remember, and if people weren't around, they know the myth. When when people come to the Chronicle and ask for a tour, the two things they want to see are Herb Kane's typewriter and the Zodiac Files. Can you show us the Zodiac Files? All right, let's get on to your top choices. These are uh, top of your list. Let's let's hear it, Carly. What do you got? Okay, guys, I'm reaching the the climax of my crazy sexy cool plan, which I think paid off. My number one pick. It's crazy San Francisco. It's Star Trek IV. 1986, it is directed by Mr. Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy. I almost find it hard to talk about this film kind of critically because I love it so much. Just to quickly tell you about the plot, it picks up where 1984's Search for Spock, Star Trek III, left off. So the Earth of the future is being menaced by a big alien probe. Only Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise can save the planet by time traveling back to 1980s San Francisco to bring back two whales to talk to the alien probe and get it to leave Earth alone. You have to go with it. That's the plot, and I can't change that, okay? It's not the best Star Trek movie. That's The Wrath of Khan. That's just um, undisputable. But it is the best Star Trek movie set in San Francisco with whales, which is to say it is the only one of that. Where do I start with how wonderful this movie is? Um, People think I'm joking when I say that it's the reason I moved to San Francisco, and I'm like 5% joking about that. But the other 95% is really serious. Growing up with this movie and watching San Francisco just look so fun, so warm, so crazy, so inviting, like I wanted to be a part of that. It is totally joyous. Ben, if you're listening and you haven't seen Star Trek 4, don't worry. You don't need to watch any of the other Star Trek movies. It stands alone. It's kind of perfect in that sense. The pleasures of watching like the quite serious crew of the Enterprise traverse San Francisco and just have a ball doing it. It's just great. So I really wanted to play you one of the most iconic scenes, which is Kirk and Spock on a muni bus that is traveling over the Golden Gate Bridge. Mr. Spock has to take out a young punk on the bus and get him to stop playing his music. And then this happens. What's your question? Your use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors. Double dumbass on you, and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yes. That's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. You'll find it in all the literature of the period. For example, 
Oh, the collected works of Jacqueline Suzanne. The novels are Harold Robbins. Ah, the giants. The gag there, of course, being that Jacqueline Suzanne and Harold Robbins... Oh, I had to look up Harold Robbins, by the way. Like, they are not the giants of literature, but it's just hilarious to think that the people of the future have deemed them to be so. Um, I, I know of no movie that is, like, warmer and, and sweeter than Star Trek Four. So, Ben, pick me. Pick Star Trek Four. The choice is easy. Come on. You know, I don't even want to argue against you, and I'm going to pick a number one, but I love this film so much. Um, it is just a lovely movie, funny movie, finds all kinds of different ways to explore San Francisco and make it part of the gag, but in a, in a funny, warm way. It's one of the greats, one of the classics. All right. And up there with one of the greats must be your number one choice, Peter. What do you have for your number one? 2015 Pixar film Inside Out. It takes place inside the brain of a tween girl coming of age, Riley. And then also outside in San Francisco, Riley has moved from, uh, I believe, uh, Minnesota to San Francisco, and she's horrified. And what the Pixar people did with animation is so fantastic. They take San Francisco and make it like 10 to 15% more. The streets are a little narrower. Parking's a little harder. Street signs are a little more incomprehensible. Um, Fantastic, fantastic use of San Francisco. It's more of a character in the movie than, than any of their other movies. They had always kind of flirted around with the Bay Area and maybe dropped San Pablo Avenue in The Incredibles. This one, they really talk about San Francisco. And you don't see that often. You see a lot of mainstream films set in San Francisco, and San Francisco is a backdrop, and it's almost like a prop. Um, Very few films are a commentary on the city. Last Black Man in San Francisco, Medicine for Melancholy, and Inside Out. Inside Out is poking fun of the city. It is completely honest. If you live here, you totally get it. If you're not from here, you're going to get some of the humor, including taking just an absolute, absolute dagger stab at our pizza. Hey, I saw a pizza place down the street. Maybe we could try that. Pizza sounds delicious. Pizza? Pizza. Yes, pizza. That's good. What the heck is that? Who puts broccoli on pizza? That's it. I'm done. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. First the Hawaiians, and now you. Honestly, the first time I saw this film, I didn't um, love it. I liked it a lot. I'm glad I didn't review it, because I think I would have given it less than the highest rating. Um, Upon rewatch, there's so many little things that... um, come out, you learn more things, and the San Francisco parts um, become clearer and clearer. I I just think it's a fantastic film, and it's a fantastic San Francisco location film. Well, I think Ben is going to have a really hard time deciding between all of those very compelling pitches for for movies he should be watching this weekend. Peter Hartlob, Bay Area native, culture critic with the SF Chronicle, co-host of Total SF Podcast. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere that uh, listeners can connect with you further? Yeah, I mean, start at my Twitter, at Peter Hartlob, and then sfchronicle.com slash totalsf 
is our homepage. That's Heather Knight, our uh, San Francisco columnist, and I do fun things around San Francisco. Ben, if you're visiting, we have all kinds of fun things for people to do, hikes to take, the tourist traps we love. That's all on our Total SF page on sfchronicle.com. Awesome. And Carly, you are my longtime pop culture I don't know, guru. You've you've really helped me with questions over the years. So thank you for coming on the show. Where can people connect with you? Oh, thank you. Well, I should say all of the Coolers uh, episodes are still available to hear on iTunes. So if you want to go back through the mists of time and do that, you can. Um, you can also hear my work for Bay Curious with you, Olivia, in the podcast feed. But you can also follow me on Twitter at Teacup in the Bay, where I'll be tweeting about a variety of things, uh, but mainly Keanu Reeves and Michael Mann movies. All right. Well, thanks to you both. We ran this episode by our question asker, Ben Kaiser, and he got back to us with his pick. Carly and Peter, I appreciate your suggestions for which San Francisco movie I should watch next. Full disclosure, three of them I've already seen. Those are Always Be My Maybe, Basic Instinct, and Zodiac, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So it comes down to the other three, but I'm torn between Inside Out and Star Trek Four. But in the end, my vote is going to go to... Star Trek 4. I've never seen a Star Trek movie, but it seems to be such a beloved film, and Carly campaigned it very, very well. So tonight, that's what I'll be watching. As it just so happens, Carly and Peter will be talking more about Star Trek 4 on next week's Total SF podcast. Go and subscribe now so you don't miss it. If you've got a favorite San Francisco movie that we didn't talk about today, or you just want to tell us which of these movies tops your list, head to the KQED Facebook page and join the discussion. We'll include some of your thoughts and recommendations in a post going live next week on kqed.org. Big thanks to Ben for asking this week's question. Big Curious is made in San Francisco by Katrina Schwartz, Jim Bennett, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me 
supporting the programs they love, while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.